Coaches. Blow the whistle, blow the whistle, blow the whistle, they can't hold a flame against you, blow the whistle, blow the whistle, blow the whistle, got the game, it ain't no issue, blowing the whistle, I had enough with you, the championship, it is gone, ain't listen to you, I can't give it to you, cause you don't know what I've been on, this is the coaches, podcast, ripping up everything, off that, Hey guys, welcome to the Fantasy Coaches Podcast. This is your host, Steve Pintado, and with me as always is my main man, Jabron Curtis. What's going on, Jibs? Good. Feeling great. Summer's finally here. I'm loving this weather. It's finally getting hot. Trying to keep active and whatnot. Yeah, I see you out there on the on your kayak going out there on the lakes, man. Jealous. I need a kayak now. Oh, yeah. Come on. You can always swing by. <laughs> Take you out in the water. <laughs> Take you out in the water. I love it. Now, I love it in summertime, guys. It's a great time of year. Even with everything going on in the world right now, unfortunately. But, you know, summertime definitely helps a little bit uh, take your mind off things, especially fantasy football. So uh, that's why we're here today. But we have a, an amazing guest on today, guys. You know, she writes for so many of the top fantasy football podcasts that are out there. The fantasy footballers, the fantasy pros podcast now, network, whatever you want to call it. Lauren Carpenter, welcome to the show once again. Thank you guys so much for having me again. And I am jealous of the opportunity to take a kayak onto freshwater because here in Florida, you'll get eaten by an alligator. <laughs> so I'm a little jealous about that because being from St. Louis, Missouri, we used to do that stuff all the time. Now I'm scared of approaching a puddle. Don't want to mess with them gators. Oh, they're they're feared. They're ferocious. Plus the snakes and the mountain lions, the coyotes, the wild boars, you know. And brain brain eating amoebas. There's those two. Oh my lord. I know, isn't it great? Florida's awesome. <laughs> and I'm talking about moving there maybe one day when I'm older. <laughs> it's wonderful here. You should join us. <laughs> uh, I, I have a house down it's there, hot. so it's hot and for for real. And never mind the hot weather. I mean, that's why I love summertime here. It's the best time of year for three months and then it goes away and it's cold the rest of the year, so it's great That's to be summertime That's why I moved, here. my friend. That's why I moved. I hear you. I respect it. And, uh, you know, we have a really fun episode to talk about today. Before we get to that, though, we have some news to talk about. And, you know, some things, just some easy things. You know, we know Drew Locke, my, my man crush right now, throwing with Jerry Judy. Lauren's man crush, I can see it looks like. Uh, you know, he's throwing some balls to Jerry Judy, which is great to see. Todd Gurley luckily passed his uh, physical with the Atlanta Falcons, which was something of a concern to a lot of people. It would have been interesting if he failed and he had to be a free agent again. Uh, but luckily we don't have to go down that road today. But the biggest news that happened, I believe it was, was it yesterday? It was yesterday, yes. Uh, Dalvin Cook has told the Vikings that he plans on holding out until he gets an extension on his uh, current rookie deal right now. And this is pretty big uh, because if he does hold out, like, you know, some players like Melvin Gordon has over the last couple years and Le'Veon Bell who've actually held out into the season, uh, that could be a really big thing because, you know, obviously Dalvin Cook is a top-tier, you know, round-one guy. And then his backup, Alexander Madison, is actually a really uh, strong backup that a lot of people seem to enjoy as well. You know, guys, where do we, you know, what's your outlook on drafting him moving forward now? And what about Madison? Is he someone who's going to jump up boards now with Dalvin Cook possibly being out? Lauren, I'll let you go first on this one. 
So this one is very interesting to me. Um, I really liked Alexander Madison as a handcuff anyway, whether or not I have shares of Dalvin Cook or not. I think that he is definitely a handcuff to own, especially given past injury concerns that we that Dalvin Cook has had. Um, and plus, he's a really talented running back, standalone, and they have used him. So I, I especially in dynasty formats, I love having Alexander Madison. Um, what really stood out to me here was this kind of a similar situation happened with Ezekiel Elliott last year. And I was in a 12-person redraft league, and I managed to get Alvin Kamara, George Kittle, and Ezekiel Elliott in a 12-person redraft league because Zeke fell so far down because of these contract concerns. And so that is kind of what's interesting to me is looking to see if and how far Dalvin Cook is going to fall down the draft board, and then how interesting would it be if he gets so far that you can really pick up a stud even if he doesn't play for a few weeks, which would kind of stink. But I kind of have a sneaky suspicion that he will. Um, But, yeah, I'm really curious to see if that could be another possibility with Dalvin Cook this year. So I'm not really minding that he he wants to get paid. Yeah, he deserves his money. He's definitely earned it. Obviously, he's been kind of hurt, too. And I see the Vikings skeptical, uh, being skeptical about paying him a big contract, especially given the fact like a lot of the running backs recently just haven't performed up to the, the contract expectations. But Dalvin Cook is going to be an interesting person in redraft leagues, especially, like you said, like last year, the Ezekiel Elliott range was going from pick seven you could get him in the late second round so you never know alexander madison is definitely going to be a guy rising up draft boards especially as the news comes out uh the vikings or dalvin cook are far apart or they're getting closer but i do expect alvin cook to suit up because you never know like with everything going on in this world yeah he's making probably just over a million dollars but you're losing some money some significant money each and every day so you saw Alvin Gordon come back. You saw Zeke come back. I'm going to predict Alvin Cook comes back as well. Yeah, I, I think he'll come back at some point. I mean, he's got to get on the field if he wants to get paid in just general. I think they could work out a contract. I don't know if I would want to as a, as a, a Vikings pers- a Vikings GM just because I'm very concerned about the injuries overall. I've never been a big believer in Dalvin Cook long term I think he has tremendous talent but the fact that he's missed 22 games in his three-year career I mean it's it's, it puts a lot on you as a fantasy owner and if you guys are looking to draft hope you guys aren't drafting for redrafts anytime soon for me right now I mean if you do try to draft right now he's not a round one talent right now I mean maybe even around two because of this holdout I'm hoping that he you know again doesn't stay out multiple weeks after going into the season but I think at this point for me personally I think he's a solid round three guy uh because he are going to have a big upside on him if you let him go around past round three it's an automatic steal at that point because he has that talent but he comes with a big risk as far as Alexander Madison he's definitely somebody you want to grab um, if they can't come up with a long-term contract because he can run he can do a lot of great things he was very efficient with his runs and he had 100 carries last year uh, with the football so he's definitely someone you know round eight round nine kind of pickup right now who at some point during the season at least early on could be a guy who's an RB1 for first couple weeks of the season and uh, can do some real damage to your fantasy teams, but uh, Dalvin Cook, I'd love to see what he does because you know he, I heard he wants to make sixteen. Heard he okay with thirteen? It's going to be real interesting what the Vikings do with this situation here because of his injury concerns long term. Uh, is something that may be something they don't want to go down that route. So 
But uh, let's go right over into our main topic of the day. And this is one of the episodes I was real excited about because it, and basically what it is, it's this year's last year of players. So we're going to go over a list of players who did something crazy last year, whether it was a breakout, a bust, you know, a great value and draft pick, a rookie, what, what, what have you. And we're going to talk about this year's players that could be those players this coming season. And first one we're going to talk about today is the Dak Prescott. And basically the Dak Prescott is the quarterback who was drafted in most likely double-digit rounds last year, who finished uh, actually in the top five, but overall in the top ten. And uh, Lauren, we'll let you go first. Which one quarterback uh, do you see uh, taking this uh, you know, award, I guess? I, I don't know if it's if he's going to finish top 10. I would love if he finished top 10 because it would be like a draft steal of like the century. But Daniel Jones is someone that really stands out to me as someone who can be uber productive and who's going, according to Fantasy Football Calculator, around 11.04 um, as of right now. But an interesting fact, uh, Fantasy Footballers actually have this uh, stat that I believe he finished as the QB6. I think it's the QB6. Um, the last eight eight weeks of last year. So he was productive. He stepped up and he got it done. And I think coming into next year, it's only going to be getting better. And I think he's going to have better chemistry. Um, He's just one year older, a little bit maturity, but I think Daniel Jones is going to surprise people. And he may be that guy that you get really late who comes in and super surprises and finishes a lot higher than expected. Oh, for me, I feel disgusting, but I'm going to put my money on Jared Goff. He's finished 7th and 13th over the last two years. He did take a dip in touchdown output last year. I think he threw 10 less touchdowns than he did in 2018. But I'm just riding with the fact that he's a walking 4,000-yard passing quarterback. He's thrown over 4,600 yards last two years. He's thrown the average 593 attempts the last two years. You're talking volume. You're talking passing numbers. I'll take I'll take my bet with Jared Goff. Do you need a shower after that to run? Oh, I do. Really dirty. I do. I definitely looked down a little bit when you said Jared Goff. I'm like, I I, I did crack a a big smile because you know, if anyone knows me, I'm not a huge fan of the L.A. Rams. So you know, but I'm not either. But. (laughs) He's throwing 600 yards, 600 attempts. Yeah, he could definitely do something big, possibly. It's real possible, Jibs. Uh, I went in the same direction as you, Lauren, actually. I, to- I chose Daniel Jones as well. Um, just a guy who has tremendous upside. I mean, he had four games over 30 fantasy points. Yes, his turnovers were a huge issue, but I think under this new coaching staff and hopefully a healthy team around him, he can really stride in year two. And again, he's someone who's going probably at least after around at least 12. And you could, I could see him possibly finishing in the top 10 overall. I mean, just because he's got the amount of weapons, they're going to be behind in games. He's going to be throwing the ball. As long as he can keep the turnovers down, this guy can, you know, put a lot of big numbers in fantasy football. So I also like that pick as well, Lauren. I do have an honorable mention, though. I was going to say Drew Locke here. Ah. I was. I totally was. But Daniel Jones is actually going after Drew Locke. So I thought that might have been a little bit more appropriate. No, but I, I still like Drew Locke here too. So. <laughs> Had I known you were going to say Daniel Jones, I would have gone with Drew Locke. I know, I know. I, I honestly, I think, I think, I think our listeners almost are tired of me talking about Drew Locke so much at this no, but point. But I'm here. I will talk with you. <laughs> I have no problem oh with that God. at all. Sorry, listeners. I'm, I'm with the Mizzou. <laughs> <laughs> Drew Locke is just two great guys. I mean, he's definitely someone who has that top 10 potential this year. It, it's it's amazing. 
the weapons around him, his arm strength, you know, Pat Shermer, it, it's just all together is just it's just recipe for success for him this year. Um, another guy I actually was going to mention was actually Joe Burrow. Uh, I could see him possibly finishing in the top 10 as well. A little bit of a long shot because he's a rookie. But, I mean, there's been rookies in the past that's done it, finished in top 10. He's got probably one of the better, you know, pass-catching, you know, receivers and running backs around him, to be honest. And uh, the fact that defense is really bad, they're going to end up throwing the ball probably more than all, more than not. So uh, Drew, uh, Drew Burrow is also another guy I would keep your eyes on, too, finishing that top, possibly top 10. Don Dottley, but possible. So let's go over to the next one here. And the next award, I don't, I don't even know what to call these. I don't know what to call them, awards or, you know, just people. I don't know. I don't know what the right word is to call these individuals and these, you know, categories. Comps. I guess. Oh, these categories. Comps. What do you say? Comps. Comps. Okay, comps. I like that. Comps. Yes, the comps here. And it's the Aaron Jones comp. Uh, running back who, uh, you know, as in the beginning of his career, didn't see the amount of t- touches and opportunity that we would all want him. We were waiting for him just to see more reps, more everything. And he gets that last year and breaks out in a big way, finishing RB2 overall. Who could be the guy this year finishing that category, guys? Lauren, we'll let you go first, of course. All righty. This one was pretty easy for me. I picked out Devin Singletary here. Um, I He's going to be the obvious RB1 now that Frank Gore is gone. Um, sorry, Le'Veon Bell. But um, I, I like it. I think that in his year two, he's going to come out and really show. I mean, he did last year, too. But it was a lot of Frank Gore with it as well, the ageless one himself. So um, I'm really looking for Devin Singletary to take a big leap this year. And he's kind of lost in the this running back conversation we talk about. You know, I hear a lot of talk about David Montgomery, even more talk about Miles Sanders, but he's kind of floating a little bit. I wouldn't want to say under the radar because everyone knows who he is. Well, most people know who he is, but it's he's it's not flashy. It's not sexy. It doesn't have that like glitter and glam. He's just Devin Singletary. It's the Bills, you know, but I love it. I love Devin Singletary this year, and I think he's going to make that big splash that we need him to do, especially if you have him in Dynasty, <clears throat> like me. <laughs> Big Devin Singletary fan, but uh, I chose Austin Eckler, guys. Um, Obviously, we know Melvin Gordon left. He's now in the Broncos, and we saw what amazing production that he gave us the first couple of weeks while he was holding out, too. So um, even though Phillip Rivers is now in Indianapolis, you figure that he will lose some targets and some catches the Tyrod Taylor and just a new quarterback in there but you can just kind of like take that and just vacuum some of those targets into some rushing attempts he only had 132 attempts last year he finished the PPR leagues RB4 which is crazy and with like half playing half the timeshare so I want to see what he can do with the majority of the timeshare for the majority period of the season obviously I think they will spell him and get working Justin Jackson or um Joshua Kelly, but I, I'm so happy, and I'll be on the Austin Eckler fan train, and I'll be beating that horn, I mean, beating that drum until draft season is over. Well, Lauren, I love the pick. I've been Devin Singletary truther all day long, never giving up on the kid. Jibs, I didn't think of Austin Eckler. That's a great one right there. I did not think of Austin Eckler as a guy who will see more carries probably this year and more touches, if anything. I did not think of that one. That was a good one. That was a real good one. 
Victor? Absolutely. Uh, and for me, I chose Kenyon Drake, uh, a hometown mm-hmm. guy of mine back in the day when he was with his Miami team. Um, you know, guy who had a ton of potential, but every year it seemed like, you know, he didn't get enough catch targets. The next year, oh, he's going to have a big breakout. Well, they didn't give him the ball for some reason, but he got 70 targets in the air. That's great. And then this past season, I mean, started off real poor. You know, again, another you know, Kenyon Drake failure season. It was, it, was, it was really bad to be a Dolphins fan. But then he gets traded to the Cardinals, and just dominates. I mean, he was RB4 from week 9 to week 16, just put up big performances, you know, ran for 600 yards and eight touchdowns in that second half of the season. They really showed this running back core uh, here and just dominated and kept David Johnson off the field for the majority of the year, even though David Johnson's kind of on a downhill spiral a little bit. But, you know, he kept David Johnson off the field. And I think Kenyon Drake is a guy who could see 200-plus tar- targets this coming season, or carries at least, and his most in his career has been 170. So, this guy gets more opportunity this year to work. I think he's going to have a really big season ahead of him. Um, you saw last year, even with his season being as good as it was, he wasn't the only running back that was actually able to be successful. I mean, you saw David Johnson from weeks one, to, weeks one to week six to be real, you know, really good in fantasy in terms of a running back. And then when he went down, Chase Edmonds had that short span when he had two decent, really good weeks, and then Kenny Drake came in. So the Cardinals in general have been barely good at producing good running backs over this past season. So given Kenyon Drake's 200-plus carries this year, um, being probably have the majority of the workload with him probably spending a little time with Chase Edmonds, uh, Kenyon Drake's a guy I really like in the third round, maybe early second, uh, not early second, but late second, who I'm really excited about this coming year to have that opportunity blow up for him. Yeah, I would not be surprised if Kenyon Drake does not finish. Hold on, I don't know if I worded that right. I would not be surprised if he did finish in the top five in in 2020, especially in PPR formats. I, that would just not surprise me. He is too athletic. He's too talented. He's got great hands. Um, and I actually I wrote an article piece about him last year for the 2019 season, and it ended up coming to fruition basically because he did leave Miami and he's in a better situation. He has all of the things there to be uber successful, and he's in a situation now where. It, it's he's getting facilitated for that to take place. So I love Kenyon Drake this year. Love him. Let's go. Kenyon Drake's all day. I love some good Kenyon Drake talk. Uh, but going on to the next comp now, uh, it's Miles Sanders, guys. Um, and the Miles Sanders comp is a second half rookie breakout. As we all know, you know, he was splitting time with Jordan Howard. Jordan Howard started to gain some speed and then he got injured. And then Miles Sanders just took over, made our fantasy playoffs amazing for some people at least. And he had that second-year breakout. Oh, second-half breakout. Um, Who do we see out of these rookies that possibly had that second-half breakout this year? I think, for me, this one was a little tough. But for me, I'm going to go with uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I'm not sure he's going to start off super strong. I think it's going to take a little bit of time for him to really bust onto the scene. Uh, But once Andy Reid gets some you know, comfort using him and gains that trust, I think it's going to be Edward Solaire all day, all evening, all Sunday, all Monday night. I think he's really going to, you know, bust out. But don't forget, Andy Reid does have a tendency to forget that he has running backs like maybe two weeks. So don't be surprised if he has one or two games that are absolutely garbage, but then he'll come right back again. So don't worry. Don't panic when that happens. Just letting you know. But that's who I think is the Miles Sanders comp for next year. And I went with Jonathan Taylor. And Jonathan Taylor... Oh, I have him in another comp. He's another comp. Okay. I hope it's not the one that's two after this one. So maybe it is. Maybe. <laughs> it may be. All right, well, 
I guess we're going to have a little battle here and see who people uh, <laughs> likes their opinion better. So, Jonathan Taylor, you know, highly regarded. Just like Miles Sanders was when he was coming out. Someone who was real like, oh, Miles Sanders got to have this kid. You know, he's the next Saquon, whatever you might want to say about him back in the day here. He apparently doesn't like that. So, if you ever talk to him, never compare him to Saquon Barkley. He does not like that. Well, I get um, But as far as Jonathan well, Taylor. Come on, it's a Penn State thing. I mean, it's too obvious, you know? <laughs> It is, yeah. In terms of Jonathan Taylor, though, he is someone I think will split a lot of time with Marlon Mack early on. You're going to be frustrated when you draft him probably in the fourth round. I probably might end up drafting him in the fourth round because his talent's so great. But you guys might as well, and you guys might get frustrated early on. Uh, and that's something that's going to probably happen. So you're gonna, if you're going to draft him in the fourth round, take the concern where he's probably not going to produce early on. And again, Marlon Mack has been an okay running back who's three years now, but he's an injury-prone running back, and he's been injured every single year. Even if he misses a couple games, I think at some point during the year, that will be enough for him, Jonathan Taylor to actually see the workload and just start going with it. I mean, this could be a team, this Colts team, if, if Philip Rivers somewhat does something amazing, this is a Colts team that's really going to just have a shot at the playoffs. And Jonathan Taylor, I think, will lead the team in the second half of the season and be the main majority ball carrier at that point in his season. So he's definitely someone I see him having a big breakout year, be able to jump into this. But yeah, Jonathan Taylor, guys, he's definitely someone who's, you know, has that potential to be a second half breakout if he sees the majority of the carries, which I think he will. So, but Jibs, you're back now. You had a little computer issues. No big deal. Uh, Who is your Miles Sanders this year? Did you take Lauren? Um, I haven't I haven't spoken yet, and I'm changing my mind. No, no, you talking. you said um, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Oh yeah, that's right. I was thinking of another topic. My bad. Look, I'm also <laughs> okay. Oh, might as go full circle. I'll take DeAndre Swift. I think like a lot of these running backs, the rookie running backs in this class, you know, pose that second half breakouts. Um, obviously, like same with uh, Clyde Edwards. He has a veteran that's still in the towing, and obviously, I think Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, and DeAndre Swift are way better than the counterparts that are currently residing in the respective NFL franchises. Um, DeAndre Swift was my number one, and I think Steve's number one running back, rookie running back before the NFL draft. Obviously, the situation changed everything for us. Mm-hmm. But but still, I think he has the skill set to be a three-down back. I think he will be proven more durable than on Johnson will see. But I'll, I'll still take DeAndre Swift. You're probably going to get him even less value than... Um, Clyde Edwards Hilaire probably going like top two rounds and Jonathan Taylor so he's probably the forgotten third but hold on to him you'll get something out of him no definitely um be interesting to see if Don DeAndre Swift can break the uh, thousand yard mark that no Viking has been able to do in the last seven years now I think since Reggie Bush did in uh, 2013 the Lions yeah what did I say that's the problem. When when players go to the Lions, and I say this with all love and respect for Detroit, my family, diehard Detroit Lions fans, my in-laws, I should say, my family, we're bitter about our St. Louis non-team. Anyway, my in-laws are a huge Detroit Lions fan. I love it. But I see players go there to, like, fantasy die, and that stinks. So I, that was the last place I wanted him to end up for carry on Johnson as well. So I don't know. I, I, I fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. I know. Um, who knows? Hopefully he doesn't go to that bad direction, but uh, on to the next. So com- negative. Listen to me. I'm like, they're going to go there to be fantasy irrelevant. <laughs> Detroit sucks. I'm kidding. I love Detroit and I love the lions, but you know, Hey, 
Hey, history is it history. Is history is history. We've seen it over and over <laughs> time again. People go there to die. Running backs at least go there to die. That's so bad. <laughs> so no quarterback. Sorry, Stafford. Poor I love you backs. too. <laughs> <laughs> Going over to the next comp, we have Saquon Barkley comp. And what is this? It is a highly drafted running back who I called last year in a preview uh, would fall outside the top 10. So what highly drafted running back guys would will be drafted early and but not make the top 10 at the end of the year oh this one was easy for me and i hope it i never wish ill will on basically anybody but this is one of those times when i'm kind of like man i really wouldn't mind if this happened again and i think it's gonna be joe mixon i think he is incredibly overrated and uh, he's being drafted as a top 10 running back and he couldn't do it last year he managed to barely squeak it by in 2018 his rookie year and since then he sucked so there's that. I don't care for Joe Mixon, and uh, obviously, but yeah, um, I think he's just way too overvalued. I think he's way overdrafted, and I think he's going to disappoint again. However, I do think that there is hope for him with Joe Burrow. I do think that there is an opportunity, but I don't think it's going to happen again. Wow. I know. <laughs> I'm spicy about this. I am so spicy, and I get a lot of I get a lot of feedback from it and a lot of hate, and I will take it because. I understand a lot of people may not agree with me. I just don't care for Joe Mixon very, very much. So I agree with you. Like, don't get me wrong. I love his talent. I think he's a phenomenal NFL player. But uh, literally, like anyone who drafted Joe Mixon last year was on a roller coaster. Oh, yes. Week to week. It'll be eight points. Then he'll save his behind and get like a late touchdown or something. It was, the stat lines was like, terrible. I think he was a free but, agent uh, on one of my leagues at one point, actually. I do have a question for you guys because I make it a point to not follow anything that he does. Um, is he holding out for a contract as well? He talked about it, but yeah, because he I heard he something about it, but I never heard out. anything in detail. He didn't say like Dalvin Cook was. He's sitting out. So he just said he wanted an extension. He okay. wants an extension. Curious. And basically, to finish point is. Um, yeah, so we struggled week to week, and he had a 30-point week 17 to boost him up to, like, RB13 in PPR leagues. I don't think he's even worth that if you're going to pick him in the second round. I think you could probably get some more backs, running backs who could probably get the same production at a cheaper price as well. Yeah, my boy, Jibs. You and I, together. Forever. <laughs> Forever. Boom. <laughs> Virtual. Yay, COVID. Virtual. <laughs> All right. See, you look like you're in pain listening to this. <laughs> I like Joe Mixon, so it was interesting to see uh, Joe Mixon come as a negative uh, take here. So it was interesting to see. So uh, this one was hard for me because I honestly, I said the, the, another one was hard for me, but this one was hard for me. I didn't want to say Dalvin Cook because it was too easy to say Dalvin Cook because I think Duke Dalvin Cook will fall outside the top ten this year. But I went with Derrick Henry. Uh, and I know, and I'm not as ranting as I was last year about Derrick Henry, guys, because I did rant on him big time, and then he just, you know, shit all was over I, me. Was I on that podcast when you ranted about Derrick Henry? Or I am I thinking of something else? It's possible. I ranted about I him a lot. I feel like I was. You probably but. were. I ranted about him a lot, so. He went on tour last year ripping Derrick <laughs> Yeah, I did. And he sure, sure told me to F off last year, that's for sure, by the end of the season. So, but... Just in terms of where he's getting drafted, I mean, there's he's going as high as, like, you know, the sixth pick in drafts. And 
Again, I think this whole Tennessee tie-in season last year was a bit of a fluke, personally. It was just too much consistency, efficiency, all the above you could think of. And, you know, 16 touchdowns, that's a lot. I, I just could see that coming down. I don't see him running for 1,500 yards again this coming year. And I, I see it coming down a lot. And I think Ryan Tanner will end up throwing, you know, obviously more than 286 passes coming season. The defense definitely lost some, you know, veteran players this coming year. They're going to have to compete with this division, who is overall not great, but still needs to throw the ball to do well. And I, I, you can't rely on Derrick Henry just running the ball every single time, let Ryan Tannehill throw the ball 12 times and hope that wins you the game. I don't think that's going to happen. It's going to be Ryan Tannehill having to throw a little bit more this time, which I think will take away from Derrick Henry in the long term. And it's just that his going at pick six, I could see him being, you know, RB 12 or 13 maybe. Again, still pretty okay, but I just don't see his value where he's at right now, him finishing in that same exact spot. So anyone who is participating, I mean, even in in Dynasty, but in your redraft leagues, when you guys are looking at this and you see other guys talking up Derrick Henry, go ahead and just appease them. Be like, dude, he's a beast. He is absolutely amazing. You should draft him as soon as possible. So that pick can go ahead and just be out of the way. And then your opponent has taken someone who should have been taken maybe second or third round as of last year, I believe. I'm not quite sure where he was drafted last year now that I say that. But this is a good way to use this hype train in your favor if you are not willing to um, draft Derrick Henry. So game script is going to be huge for them, just like Steve was saying. So this is what I like to do. I'm very manipulative when it comes to, A, just being a woman, and B, when I want people to draft people that I don't want to have to draft simply because they're there staring at me in the face. So this would be a good way to do it. Be like, Derrick Henry's so great. You should take him. For sure. I wouldn't pick him around <laughs> four two years ago. I wouldn't pick him around three last year. I'm not right. picking him in the top, uh, we'll say like top two rounds. No way. Right. It's just too much. It's just too early for me, honestly. It's just the value. Just I don't see the value having that sixteen hundred, you know, fifteen hundred yards, sixteen touchdown, fifteen hundred yard season. It just I can't see it happening again for him. Yeah, and I'm not sure if the Titans season last year was fluky per se. I just don't think it's going to be as consistent, like you were saying, as it was last year. That was almost perfect in just the way every single week panned out so i'm not sure if that is repeatable i think there may have to be regression that's built in here either way it's enough risk for me to want to avoid it and let that be somebody else's headache yeah like take the adams you know take take alvin kamara the six seven pick take someone who you know is definitely has michael thomas you know he's not already off the board at that point for sure let's go over to the next one here and it is the david montgomery comp and what is that it is the hype running back as we all know last year who somehow at some point by late august jumped all the way to the third round uh and people were like thinking this is the next coming of a running back and he failed to produce big um especially for a third round pick you know he finished with 800 yards not a bad season for david montgomery but overall from what everyone was saying about him he just did not live up to that that, that rookie hype and who can we see out of these rookies that have that similar situation I feel like I should cover my face at this point um, because my guy you're not going to like. Okay. <laughs> so I had two. Uh, one of them was going to be Zach Moss, but I decided to go with Jonathan Taylor. Oh. I'm sorry. And the reason why. So here was my thought process behind this. 
is there are too many mouths to feed for the Colts. Um, they now have Phillip Rivers as their new quarterback. I'm unsure as to what that's going to look like. And I believe that in order for Jonathan Taylor to be uber successful or super successful, it's an Uber like four times right now. <laughs> clearly, I don't drive because I Uber everywhere. It's been clearly on my brain. But he's going to have to have Marlon Mack fail as well as Naheem Hines. And Naheem Hines is a very successful pass-catching running back. And Phillip Rivers knows how to use pass-catching running backs, also known as Austin Eckler. So I think there are too many mouths to feed on the Colts, um, whereas Zach Moss, really his biggest competitor is going to be Devin Singletary. So that's kind of why he leaned more Jonathan Taylor, although I'm pretty sure everyone in the rookie love universe may want to unfriend me after that conversation, especially my buddy, John Helmkamp. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to, I'm going to do one better. Um, oh yes. For, bring it. Make me feel me, better. <laughs> this one was pretty hard to choose because like a lot of the running backs that are considered like you say the top five, top six running backs in a rookie class, they're pretty good. But for me, I chose Cam Akers because, like, I see, like, a lot of the fantasy communities is putting their chips in the pile. And, like, obviously, they still have two running backs there. And their offensive line hasn't gotten any better since last year. Don't get me wrong, situation's perfect. He probably has a very good shot to be that lead running back. But I think the Rams are going to play smart this time around. Obviously, they saw what they did with Todd Gurley in three years. It's ruined them, ruined his knees. So I think they will actually kind of even the carries a little bit. They won't have like that guy who's getting twenty six carries a game like we saw the last two years or two years ago. But I'm just a little bit lower on Cam Makers than the rest of everyone out there. I, mean, I love it. I love it. Okay, Jibs, great take there. Great take. Great comp. Um, for me, though, I went with Keyshawn Vaughn. I didn't know I didn't get a round of applause from him. <laughs> I got you next time. I'll, I'll do it next time. I got you. I, got you. I mean, I, I did like Jonathan Taylor, so I, I couldn't give you a high five. I that know. One. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, but my guy was Keyshawn Vaughn. And Keyshawn Vaughn, you know, highly regarded. When he got drafted, people were like, oh, he's going to be great. You know, obviously Tom Brady loved to throw to the running backs, obviously – you have Tom Brady there. They're going to take pressure off the run game easily. But, you know, he's still being drafted relatively high as possibly, you know, people having him as your RB3 on your teams. And I think that's a mistake still, um, especially with what's going on right now, this whole coronavirus thing. You know, I don't know when they're going into training camp. I don't know how much playing time he's going to see prior to the regular season. You know, how much can this kid really learn before he gets in there and actually starts doing things? And I think it's going to be a mistake early on that he's not going to be able to perform early. And I think Ronald Jones, he's still 22 years old. Keyshawn Vaughn's 24. Ronald Jones still has time to grow in this offense here. And you saw him coming on a little late at the end of the season, especially in the passing game. We had, like, you know, he was being very productive, you know, almost like four targets a game late in the season. And, again, we all know Tom Brady likes to throw the ball. I just think Ronald Jones gets that third down work with Dar uh, Abodibo. I can't even say his name. Um, and him and Keyshawn Vaughn kind of split the early down work. But I think this is Ronald, jo- Ronald, John, Ronald Jones' job to lose. And I think Keyshawn Vaughn, unless Ronald Jones does really bad, I don't think Keyshawn Vaughn's going to see as much work as many people predict him he's going to have. Plus, his pass production isn't that great anyway. So, again, if he misses a tackle out there, Ronald Jones is going back in again. Like, you're not going to play if you don't, can't pass block. And even Ronald Jones is not the greatest pass blocker. Keyshawn Vaughn isn't that great either. He's very spotty at best. So, I just don't see Keyshawn Vaughn having that success early on that people are, like, expecting him to have. And I think it's going to fail a lot of people who draft him too early. I hate breaking rookie love hearts. Like, 
I just it stinks, but you know, it's fantasy football is to be expected. But oh, it's it just happen. you know, when you invest so much time in the off season on these guys, especially during COVID when we had nothing else better to do than spend all this time like falling in love with these players, that's always so hard to hear. <laughs> sure is. <laughs> and going on to the next comp, we're going to the wide receivers now. We got about like five of these. Um, the first one on the board um, is the Chris Godwin one, and it's pretty obvious at this point, guys, if you're listening, it's the year three breakout uh, wide receiver, and he dominated, obviously, last year. And who can we see being that guy this year? For me, this is an easy one. It's going to be Kenny Galladay. I see him going through the roof this year with Matt Stafford back. That is huge. So... I'm kind of all in on Kenny Galladay, and that's it's pretty reflected in his ADP as well. He's going pretty early, and he's getting ranked pretty early, but I think it's justified. We had this conversation last year in the offseason about whether or not Chris Godwin could live up to the hype of being this breakout player, of being that guy under Bruce Arians, and we saw it happen, and I think Kenny Galladay could do the same. Maybe not exactly as Chris Godwin did, but close. Fisher Clark. Thank you. I got your Round clapping. of applause for me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Chibs, where were you at on yours? But isn't Kenny Galladay going into his fourth year? I know. That's oh, what I didn't okay. I didn't okay. really, like, look up specifically. So it could be his fourth year. But you know what? He's still going to break out this year. He still actually got hurt his rookie year. Chibs. He How actually got hurt his rookie season. If it helps, he got hurt his rookie season early on. So he didn't really play his rookie year. So. Yeah, see what he said. What he said, all right. (laughs) I was actually going to preface that with, I can't remember if it's his third or fourth year, but I like Kenny Galladay no matter what. (laughs) So I'm going to go a little bit deeper. Um, There's a fantastic, obvious choice that uh, cannot be overlooked, but Alan Lazard, situation matters. Uh, It's is his third year. Dang <laughs> you, Jims. Why didn't I think of that? <laughs> he, he isn't like anything spectacular, guys. He is the number two wide receiver for Aaron Rodgers in the Packers offense. His stats, comparatively, that so far, he could break out and not even crack a sweat or anything. So, um, last year, pretty like pedestrian year. He only had 35 catches, about 477 yards, but... He has so much room to grow. We see how Aaron Rodgers just kind of went through receivers the last couple of years and doesn't trust him, but he has his trust. So I'm going to ride with that one as ours. I love it. Great I'm pick. so jealous I didn't think of that. And then your use of pedestrian, I need to, like, follow you in your mind and use these things in my writing so I sound smart like you. Dang it. Oh, no, you got fantastic writing. I, I love you so much. Thank you. I'm still writing on my third grade level, but um, <laughs> stop. My guy, I think I kind of mentioned him a little hypeness in the last couple of weeks, guys. Was Calvin Ridley? Um, probably an obvious pick there, but this is definitely someone you need to target in the late third, fourth round pick for sure. I mean, he was a top wide receiver early on last year. He was actually doing better than Julio Jones was at one point until Julio Jones just you know, went off at the end of the season with Calvin Ridley out. You know, Calvin Ridley was doing very well with, you know, Hooper having a breakout season, Muhammad Sanu there half the year. I mean, he was doing very good prior to even them leaving. And he was even doing better when after they left. You know, he had three straight games of 10-plus targets. You know, he's a touchdown machine. He's got 17 in his two-year career now. And, again, Matt Ryan, like I've been telling you guys, 
Every second, every second year when he's with a new offensive coordinator, he jumps into the top 10 for some reason and breaks out after having a bottom 20 or maybe bottom 15 at least, whatever it is, um, you know, quarterback season. And now he's going to be coming out going strong. I mean, it's Julio, it's Ridley. I guess it's Hayden Hurst a little bit too, of course. Maybe some Todd Gurley in there, but it's going to be Julio Jones and it's going to be Calvin Ridley. And it's going to be like a similar season where you have, you know, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin last year, but this year it's going to be Julio and Calvin Ridley, guys, with that. It bag. really reminds me of an Antonio Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster situation, just ripe for yes. that kind of a breakout of both of those two receivers. I am so high on that and excellence because I'm actually going to be writing about Matt Ryan in July. Yes. So that's exactly what I'm bringing up. Yes. Yay. Great yes. minds. Can't wait. For you. I'm just following along. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but Chris Scott, Chris Scott one. Calvin Ridley, guys, go out and get him as many possible places you can in redrafts this year. Or in Dynasty, if you have him. Go get him in Dynasty if you can still get him cheap. But uh, Going over to the next one here, it's uh, the DJ Shark comp. And it's basically a year two receiver now uh, who had a quiet rookie year. No one really didn't do anything. There's a couple of 2019 rookies or that who cut quiet years. Uh, who is that breakout guy this year? So I'm not exactly sure. He didn't have a quiet year, but there is a rookie that I am targeting. Or, I'm sorry, second year, um, sophomore, if you will, that I'm targeting every single place I possibly can, and I'm getting him no matter what format that I'm doing. And it's Deontay Johnson for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So even though, like I said, it wasn't a quiet year, um, he really had to step up to the plate. Uh, he did better than Juju Smith-Schuster, did better than James Washington. And uh, granted, he played more games. I get it. But Deontay Johnson has a chance to step into an Antonio Brown-esque role. No, I'm not saying he will be Antonio Brown, but I'm saying he can pick up some slack here that going into his second season with a better quarterback who can make better throws in tighter windows more accurately than Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges can, I think that he is going to excel. If he managed to excel last year as a rookie in an offense that rarely features rookie wide receivers and came out like smashed the fantasy world, he is going to do excellent this year in 2020. And I'm, I'm targeting him everywhere I can. Mm. Love it. I'm picking someone who I just have a fondness for. Obviously, I'm not thinking he's going to kill it in fantasy at all, but in a couple of years, he definitely might be. And I'm going to go with Nicole Harbin. Uh, last year, he got a lot of playing time when Tyreek Hill went down with that shoulder injury in the beginning of the season. After that, he only averaged 36% uh, of the snaps from week seven on, and he made a lot of his damage in the returning game if you guys play that or just like on one or two plays that went for big yardage and a touchdown so um obviously the chiefs resigned sammy watkins and demarcus robertson but i just can't not see the chiefs leaving this explosive app set on the bench much longer so as a late round flyer you pick them you never know um that's it yeah and Michael hardman's like a tyreek mini yeah yeah. Or you know what I mean? It's it's like his mini me. So I I'm, I'm on board too, especially in, in special teams. If you guys do play that, like Chips was saying, which we do in one of my big leagues, our big money leagues, that's what we do. And it's really nice seeing those returns. Where it's like, oh, he looks like a cheetah. He's so fast. And you're like, yes, go go go. It's so great. Baby it's fun. I I, I mean, he's so fast. So he's isn't fast. that Tyreek Hill's nickname too? So it's like they're yeah. almost the same person. Come on. Hopefully he has that. 
that Madden like season like he is for you right now, Jibs, in our Madden league. So, um, oh, yeah. go, going into my guy, I went with a bit of a deeper guy, and I, I'm so so about him having having a breakout, but he can, and I think with the right opportunity, he can have a breakout, or at least have a big season. And it's Miles Boykins out of the Ravens, and pretty quiet year besides the five touchdowns he did have this year, uh, but. Lamar Jackson isn't going to run the ball as much as he is this year, guys. I'm telling you right now, he's not going to run for his 1,200 yards again this season. He's just not. And he barely threw for 400 yards. Uh, not 400 yards, but 400 attempts. And I expect that number at least, not double, obviously, but at least go up by like maybe another 60, 70 more attempts. And I think he's going to throw the ball a little bit more downfield a little bit. He has to. He needs to learn how to throw the ball downfield. He's not going to be able to run a ball constantly his whole career. He's going to be able to throw the ball to his wide receivers and let them do things. Miles Boykins is just a tall 6'4 guy, just a big red zone target, and he just catches balls. And I think no one else has plays a similar role to that on his team right now. You have Hollywood Brown, who's a speedster, goes up the field. You have slot guys like uh, Dumouray and Willie Sneed, and I think uh, James Porsche or something like that his name is called. I can't think of it off the top of my head. But all these guys play slots. Miles Boykins is the only guy who plays on the outside and is just a big physical threat. And I expect him to be able to see more maybe double what he's did last year maybe it's not the same as dj shark per se but has a bit of a better season week actually comes on the radar and maybe has that you know year three breakout breakout but again i think he's someone who is on radar especially if at least you go in your last pick of your draft and just take a shot on him because he could do something really big like dj shark who we no one was on had on him was radar he was like a lost man who's this guy he was a first round pick who was this guy i don't know who this guy is and he comes out and breaks out year two one year two so Miles Boykins, fourth round pick, but he can still have that same uh, possibilities. I'm going to mention here too. You mentioned him before was Hollywood Brown. You know, I think he has opportunity in this offense as well. Just like you said, is if those two guys can play in tandem, I think both of them have the opportunity to be fantasy productive in 2020 for sure. Definitely. He was my first choice, but I don't think that was too quiet enough for me. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I picked the least quiet one. (laughs) I was like, I don't, I'm not going to listen to your rules of this game. (laughs) But still, Marquise Brown has so much upside. We yes. see that. And Agreed. Like he said, like I, I don't know where I saw it, but he was basically like he's played on one foot last year. If he has two good feet, like Jesus Lord. Definitely. I can barely walk on two good feet. So <laughs> the fact that he did well on one foot is impressive. <laughs> Going over to the next cop now, guys. It's Devontae Parker comp, which obviously I love because I'm a Dolphins fan, and obviously anything Dolphins do is great. But you know, he was a year five receiver, and, you know, he lived never lived up to the hype, never did anything great, but finally broke out in year five now. And who could we see in the, you know, even four fifth-year guys, who could have that breakout season this year? He's, I'm probably going to get my years wrong like I did before. Don't care. Uh, Brashard Perryman actually is someone who impressed me uh, with flashes at Tampa that were impressive. And now he's with the Jets. Uh, Sands, Robbie Anderson. So um, I kind of like his his upside going forward. You can get him late too, uh, crud buckets. I don't have him pulled up right here. But you can get him late in drafts. Um, you're not really going to waste a lot of draft capital on him. And he has potential. And they did not add crazy good wide that sounds really bad i just insulted him as i said dropped him i was gonna say that it had any crazy good wide receivers <laughs> but i'm trying to say richard perryman is so yeah i'm such a nice person anyway yeah 
I do like Brashard Perryman's opportunity. I like his upside um, coming into this. And I think if anyone's going to have an opportunity besides Le'Veon Bell in this offense to suck up the massive amounts of vacated targets that the Jets have, I think Brashard Perryman is one of the best bets on that team. Love it. Love the upside of him. I just feel so bad. I like I literally complimented and then insulted him in <laughs> a single sentence. It's possible to do, my friends. I did it. <laughs> sure, I'll be okay sure. about it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't hate me forever. A little bit's okay. <laughs> uh, for me, I went with Tyler Boyd. This is going to be his fifth year. Uh, obviously, he's had a crazy kind of NFL career. No, seriously, can I stalk your brain, Jibs? I'm serious because that is. So, because that's smart. Because AJ Green is back, and that's a good pick, and I'm jealous. <laughs> yeah, so uh. gotta get to that point. Like Tyler Boyd has done pretty well when AJ Green has been on the field, so I like that comp going well with him. Obviously, AJ Green has to stay on the field. Um, he's been joined with uh, T Higgins and John Ross in the backfield as well. Obviously. John Ross hasn't been the staple boy for being healthy either. So I just think, like, he's just been, like, the staple. I feel like him and Joe Mixon has been that offense pretty much the last two years. They do have another we have a rookie quarterback, Joe Burrow, like Steve mentioned earlier. And I he depended heavily on Justin Jefferson at LSU, slot receiver. And I think he'll fare well with Tyler Boyd, who's been a fantabulous, consistent slot receiver in NFL. So he may not like have a super breakout, but I think he still could give you that consistent reception total, that consistent yardage total. And I think he even could even put up more touchdowns than five that he did last year. Great pick there, Jibs. I love Tyler Board. Joe Burrow was going to make him look a star this year. Uh, for me, though, I have Sterling Shepard. Uh, as we, you know, both me and Lauren mentioned, if Daniel Jones is going to break out, it's not going to be because of Darius Slayton or Evan Ingram. It's going to be because of Sterling Shepard. And as long as he stays healthy, of course, his health issues, of course, with him. But this is a guy who, I mean, he came back in Week 12 in injury, and he led all the receivers in targets by 11 from Week 12 on to the end of the year. He's obviously was... Daniel Jones is number one target. He's a guy who just eats up targets all day in receptions. And he really never had that breakout season yet. You know, he's been okay so far. You know, obviously he had opportunity when Odell's gone down at times. Never really stepped up, stepped up, that we really love him to be. But, you know, he's going in his fifth year now. And, you know, I see very similar comparisons to him and Devontae Parker. The guy was real special coming out, you know, had opportunity with his talent to really do something really good, but hasn't done it yet. And... And I think this year, with Daniel Jones improving going into year two, I just see him seeing a big target load, having over you know 100 targets this year. And I could see him finally getting over that 1,000-yard mark, maybe getting six or seven touchdowns, and being a guy who just dominates and actually ends up being a top you know, 20, 25 receiver in fantasy this year, who you're going to probably get in like you know rounds eight or nine. And kind of where Devonta Park went a bit later. But Sterling Shepard, I see him having a possible 50-year breakout. So I'm not mad at that one. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. Thank you. Now we go over to the next comp, and it is Terry McLaurin comp, uh, the rookie wide receiver who, honestly, not many people talked about last year. You know, I don't think we even talked about him that much last year at all either. And then he comes out week one and, you know, rips it to the Jibs' Eagles. Birds. And then just continues to have a on and off great season. Um, you know, who could that rookie be that no one's talking about that we should probably maybe draft with a late last pick or something like that, guys? Um, 
the first name that popped up to me here is I'm not sure how many people are talking about this guy. I know I'm aware of him simply because I've, I've covered him before looking at, you know, rookie wide receivers. But Chase Claypool uh, for the Steelers. Again, I bring up the Steelers again. Um, I really like Chase Claypool going into this offense. I think he's a perfect fit, and he's like maybe a stake away from being a tight end. Um, he is gigantic. The man is like 6'4". He weighs 238 pounds. He is a gigantic red zone target. He has incredible vertical and incredible speed for a man his size. And when you're looking at that tight end position for the Steelers, they're kind of weak. I know that they, like Ebron, he kind of has some injury questions to him, but I would not be surprised if they use Claypool creatively as maybe that wide receiver tight end role special teams which is kind of what the Pittsburgh Steelers generally do with their rookie wide receivers so I think he, he'll make a splash in a creative way but not I don't really hear too many people talking about him as a fantasy asset but again maybe not because rookie wide receivers are very hard to predict when it comes to fantasy but going to help out a lot of other assets on the Steelers fantasy wise as well but I think he's a he's a fascinating one to watch especially for Dynasty. Great minds think alike, Lauren. Yes, my friends. <laughs> that I makes was, me feel so good. <laughs> I was carrying on your dynasty point, guys. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, he's pending free agent next year. There's been talks that they may not extend him. So um, as you go with history again, the Steelers are a wide receiver farm for the NFL. They just produce wide receiver after wide receiver. Like, and we didn't know who Antonio Brown was and look who he is and look where he's at now. I'm not saying Chase Claypool had that same spectrum, but just keep an eye on him. He could, ne- he could be the next big thing literally and figure. Okay, you guys are, you know, buddying up here, I see now. I see how it is. Well, um, we're besties. You didn't know that? Yeah, I guess I, I, guess I missed it. Guess, Clearly. I, guess I have to invite somebody else on the show, so I need a bestie. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I went with the rookie from the Las Vegas Raiders. And, yes, I said the Las Vegas Raiders right this time. Uh, Brandon Edwards, uh, wide receiver, third-round pick out of South Carolina. Uh, you know, he had a real solid career in college, even with some – you know, average quarterback play, really good route runner, good guy, yards up to catch kind of guy. And one of the unique things about him, you know, he was someone who played a lot of outside and slot role constantly throughout college. And while he doesn't have great speed, he's got good size, he's got good ball control. And, you know, this Raiders team, you know, they drafted Henry Ruggs in the first round, and he's going to be something special for whatever they want him to do. But again, everyone else at that point, you know, Tyrell Williams, uh, Hunter Renfell, Guys are pretty average, even though I kind of like Renfell a little bit. I think Brian Edwards is a guy no one's really talking about right now. Who, if you know, if he comes in camp, even though camp could be you know shortened, and kind of shows what he's able to do, like I know he can. He's that kind of talent to him. He could be someone week one kind of just comes out of nowhere. Everyone, no one's gonna draft him, and just kind of produces. And again, this is gonna be a team that needs to throw the ball probably a lot. And he could be someone if as long as he gets the starting lineup. Uh, he could have that Terry McLaurin season where, again, no one's really talking about him, but shows up big time during the season this year. So that's who my guy is. Now we go over the next comp here. Two more receivers ago, and it's the Juju Smith-Suster comp. And this one was kind of hard because Juju had a down year because of bad quarterback play and injury. So uh, no one... Juju alone. <laughs> Juju alone. <laughs> no one wants to predict a bad injury. So uh, what's just one highly drafted wide receiver who could end up busting this year? Mine is going to be Amari Cooper. 
So. God damn it. Are we the same again or are you just. Yeah. No, okay. Well, I'm going to stick with Amari Cooper. And the only reason why is he's been historically up and down, no matter what, his home road splits are just exacerbatedly obvious. But the addition of CeeDee Lamb is very interesting to me. And I love Michael Gallup going into this year as well. So I don't know, is there going to be enough room for the down weeks for Amari Cooper? I'm not sure. But I think he's going a little bit too high for my tastes. And I don't like that. If you were going several rounds later, I think his ADP is at the end of the third round. Um, I that's too expensive for me for Amari Cooper, even before they had another just absolute beast of a wide a rookie wide receiver, I should say, and Sadie Lamb being added to the fold. So not so sure about Amari Cooper this year, and I think it might be more poor than well played for the band. Yeah. <laughs> so you guys have the same pick, so Jibs, tell us more. Everything. So basically, um, like obviously, like the wide receivers that are, are pretty much ahead of wide, uh, Cooper are just amazing. You can't really find much flaws if I would pick someone that was ahead of Cooper. I might pick Evans, but we'll see how Tom Brady and that offense goes. But for Cooper, he's just around ten or nine, and I just don't think he'll grant you the same. He won't give you that same return on investment at the end of the year. His home and road splits were just garbage last year. Like, I don't understand how this man could not produce at home on certain weeks, but then give you a 40-point game on Thanksgiving like nothing ever happened. So, for me, like, I'd rather just skip out on Cooper and get some other wide receivers. And I just kind of honestly seeing Cooper with the additions they made on the offense finishing probably 14 or 15 in the wide receiver rankings. Is that our third or our fourth one we, we've agreed That's on? Third. Their third? third. Okay. Got yes. It. I don't have anybody. All right, Steve, your turn. Is it Amari Cooper? No, no, no. No Amari Cooper here. But there is a Cooper in his name, though. And it's uh, Cooper Cup. Uh, this week. So we were kind of close. We were all kind of close. Now, this was hard because I like a lot of receivers. And, and maybe I thought Amari Cooper would be taken by one of you guys. So I, I went and tried to go a different direction. At least give the, the listener someone different. And... I was looking at Mark, uh, not Mark Cooper. God, <laughs> Cooper Cup here. I'm trying to be your friend, guys. His friend, see. Um, <laughs> I looked at Mark. Uh, God, I said it again. Uh, Cooper Cup last season. If you look at his stats overall, like wow, this guy had a great season. You know, finally healthy, looked amazing this year in this offense that Jared Goff threw 600 times for some reason. Uh, and again, through weeks one through eight, uh, he was wide receiver two, pretty much on par with Michael Thomas, and then. He fell off in the second half of the season. After the week nine bye, uh, he just dropped. I mean, wide receiver 36. I mean, he managed to get five touchdowns, kind of saved his season, because if that wasn't the case, he would have probably been much lower. And the biggest thing that the Rams did this second half of the season, they switched to a 12 personnel team, which they, you know, they, they put out more tight ends and less wide receivers, basically. And, you know, you obviously saw Tyler Higby have a really good late season schedule that we all really loved. And, you know, Cooper, if you looked at his snap count, there were a lot of games in that second half of the season where he played under, like, you know, 60, 50% a lot of the times. And it seemed like, you know, when they took out and they went this way, you know, he was the guy that was left off a lot of the times, even though he got the touchdowns. And it's concerning a little bit to me that he could be a bust because what if they go this route next year? You know, Gerald Everett will be back. You know, they have Tyler Higby. What if they do two more, two tight end sets 
They put Robert Woods. They put, like, you know, obviously Jay, uh, Josh Reynolds played a lot or Brandon Cooks played a lot. Uh, but if they go this direction here, and that could be something where you're drafting him as your R- wide receiver one in round three, and he ends up just finishing as a wide receiver two, maybe a guy who finishes top 25 still, even though that's great, but you draft him as a guy who you think could finish top 12. And that's where I could see him kind of busting a little bit. Not a total bust like Juju, but someone who doesn't finish as high as we would expect him to do. So that's why I have Cooper Cup as my Juju Smith. Yeah, I agree with that. Even though Brandon Cooks is with Houston right now, that's not a lot of vacated targets. But you mentioned, too, when you're playing two tight ends, it is very difficult to spread the love on passing. But if Jibs is right, that Jared Goff is going to be throwing the ball like cray-cray when it comes to 2020, who knows? I don't know. But I like that take. Robert Woods. Bobby Trees, I love him. I sure do. I sure do. Um, going over the next one now, guys. It's Nikhil Harry, and obviously we know Nikhil Harry was one of the few running wide receivers drafted in the first round, but failed to produce. But this year's draft, there was a lot of wide receivers that end up in the first round. What's one guy who doesn't produce in year one? Pick a name, any name. Pick any wide receiver, any rookie wide receiver. I have a very staunch um basically belief in in redraft not in dynasty obviously this is in redraft only folks um i do not bank on rookie wide receivers if i'm ever going to take one it is going to be one of the last picks of my draft i am just gonna take a shot um i it's very difficult for rookie wide receivers and tight ends to historically produce fantasy relevant consistently which is what we're looking for in fantasy football so for me you could pick any wide receiver out of these this class and put a stamp on it and say bust and that's just for me personally that's how i feel about it that's why this one was the easiest one for me (laughs) or maybe the hardest because i couldn't even pick one but i think any one of these rookies could be exactly that because it's just it's hard it's very difficult to transition from college into the nfl and i speak of this as if i know which i don't but it looks really challenging (laughs) so there's that (laughs) oh jibs uh for me you make very salient points Lauren, like it's gonna be hard for all of them, um, but for me, I just I, I went with Henry Ruggs. Obviously, he's a deep threat receiver. I believe that John Gruden, with the draft capital they used to get him, is gonna utilize him in various ways. But the Oakland offense is just loaded with talent. You still have Josh Jacobs, you have Renfro and Tyrell Williams, whatever you want to make that of. They added Edwards. Um, I forget the running back they added right after Edwards, and then they have Rugs. So like, there's there's a lot of mouths to feed on the offense. The offense isn't that like explosive either. A lot of intermediate passing and like whatnot. So I just don't see it as a good mesh. But I think he will be great going down the road, and especially in dynasty leagues. I like the pick there. Definitely like that as well. Um, me, I went with uh, Brandon Ayuk. From the 49ers. Again, guys, it basically means like he's not a bad player. Right? I think he's got a lot of talent to him, but this is a run first team who the primary target is a tight end who has a primary wide receiver in Debo Samuels. I just don't think there's enough room for Brandon Ayuk to see big production like some of these 2019 rookies did. And, you know, 29th in pass attempts the last two seasons with Jimmy Garoppolo. 
doesn't scream big play, you know, close to even like 60 to 70 attempts for, attempts at targets for this guy this year. I just think he's a guy you want to stay away from and let him go undrafted and maybe if he produces, go pick him up then. But um, I wouldn't want to go after this guy at all in my, in my redraft this year. Dynasty, different, but redrafts, definitely don't want to be near him. And we're almost done, guys. We're on to the tight ends now, and there's only two guys and pretty obvious ones here. The Mark Andrews Award. And basically, I think we all at some point last year talked him up in one of our podcasts, I think, together. A double-digit tight end drafted guy who finishes top 10, top 7, whatever you want to say. Uh, Who's that guy this year? Just on a quick note, that one team I mentioned in the beginning of this podcast that I had, Ezekiel Elliott, George Kittle, and Alvin Kamara. I also drafted Mark Andrews in like the 11th round. So, and this was a 12 person oh, draft and I came in second place. Ah. Might I, might I say, That's yeah, the, the, the final was heartbreaking Oof. anyway. Uh, from, yeah, it was, it was really heartbreaking. I had two guys I really struggled with here on this category because I love my boy Drew Locke. So for me, kind of the obvious one here was no offense because I think he did show some flashes last year, but I'm going to go with the low-hanging fruit here, guys. I'm going to go Mike Gesicki. I think that he's going to do really, really well, and uh, I can't wait to see him kind of explode. Where A lot of people are talking about it, but I almost feel like people are semi-making fun of it as well. I am legit serious about Gesicki in 2020, and I'm super excited you can get him dirt cheap. Oh, we finally did a match. I love it. <laughs> are we Oh, yeah, I want to talk something different. But for me, I'm going with his former teammate, Hayden Hurst, now in the Atlanta Falcons. Guys, he's going to be a double-division tight end that's probably you're going to have to, like, scour down your little uh, your your queue on your app to find. But, guys, if you miss out on that top seven or so and you're not feeling comfortable taking, like, some pedestrian tight ends, go, go, go. Oh, I remember one salient that you used before, too. <laughs> okay. And words like, I need to incorporate into my vernacular. <laughs> Austin Hooper, I didn't think was anything special, and he definitely put back-to-back top seven tight end seasons up. And it seems like Matt Ryan loves his tight end, so I think Caden Hurst, a former first-round pick, has the athletic profile, and he's sure enough on a damn good offense to produce with the various weapons to alleviate some pressure off Love it. Dirk Cutter knows how to throw to the tight ends in his offense, guys. Love that too. Uh, unfortunately, Jibs, I'm stealing your best friend because we actually matched with one, and I went with Mike Isecki as well. I went with Mike Isecki. Now I like this side of it. This is the, this is the funner side. Feeling <laughs> upbringing. That is right a homer pick, though. <laughs> I love Mike Isecki, and not just because I'm a Dolphins fan, and it's just in general sense. I mean, he's a guy who. Year one didn't produce. Year two actually was involved in the offense, and you saw the production happen. Even with Preston Williams, you know, being out, I think, or coming back at least, you're going to expect a guy who's going to still see a good amount of targets. Ryan Fitzpatrick knows how to throw the ball downfield. You know, Mike Isecki was just just great all over the place last year, and this could be a, a pass-first team. I mean, Mike Isecki could be the second guy on the team. He's just so athletic. He's from New Jersey, so you can't beat that. And he's just so good in this offense. And even if the team switches to, like, to a Tonga Valoa mid-year. I think that even helps Kaseki even more. I mean, it's a rookie quarterback. A rookie's best friend is a tight end. And Tua back in college, he made uh, Irv Smith Jr. really good uh, coming out of college. And he, I think, 
could really work with Mike Gusecki in this offense uh, for years to come. He's definitely someone I really love in Dynasty, and I like to see him be that you know year three breakout, which a lot of the rookie tight ends usually not rookie tight ends, but tight ends usually do in their normal careers break out in the third year at that point. Not some of the other ones who you know do it in year one, but in year three that seems to be the norm for a lot of tight ends that really if they're going to break out, that's when they're going to break out. So Mike Gusecki, love him. And now we're on to the last one of the night. Uh, I guess it's still pretty early, but last one of the night. Uh, it's the Eric Ebron Award. And, oh, comp, whatever. And the this is the tight end who finished top five last year. Or we're going to go to the top seven, at least. Top Finished top seven, but will probably bust in 2020. Who's that going to be? So, speaking of Austin Hooper... Austin Hooper. So he is now with the Cleveland Browns, correct? I'm not totally. Yeah, that too much. Not only is it Cleveland, it's Baker Mayfield is going to have to throw him the ball. I'm not 100 percent sure that this is going to be his like, you know, good year. I have no idea. But David Njoku is still there, too, right? Yes. You know, yeah, there's so many mouths to feed and I really think that the reason why Austin Hooper became this tight end of note is because of Matt Ryan and because of his offense on the Falcons and so I'm not sure that the Browns is a great fit for him to be that kind of stud that he was in 2019 I don't think he's going to be there in 2020 I'm glad I picked two on this one uh the back up some points for Austin Hooper he had like a pretty good a target and reception share down at the Falcons, I'm not expecting that to even correlate being on the Browns. Like, majority, he'll get pretty much average, like, eight targets, maybe six catches a game. So, like, that's not happening there. And, obviously, he had a few touchdowns, and I think that's not even going to be the same correlation either. So, I'm down on Hooper. But someone who finished inside the top five that may not finish in the top five from last year, I'm going to go with Darren Waller. This man had lived on so many receptions, and he had a very large target share. And like I said with Henry Ruggs, like, there's new weapons in town, so you're going to have to reallocate a little bit of that. And I don't think, unless he gets a boost in touchdowns, that he's going to um, still have a nice season. So I could see him finishing six or seven, but definitely not three, you know? Yeah, you guys brought up a really good point. I didn't realize how many offensive additions they made I mean, I, you hear about them, but I, I don't really follow the, the Raiders all that much. So to really put it into this kind of a context, there are a lot of mouths to feed. And it's it's I'm, I'm sorry, this is not meant to be a huge insult, but it's going to come out as one. It's Derek Carr. So that's tough. That is really tough. That kind of makes me really reevaluate where I see Raiders players, like I, other than Josh Jacobs, where they're going in ADP, because there are a lot of people on that field that are going to be wanting passes. Wow. Yeah, you know John Gruden's going to want to put an old man Witt in there, too. Oh, that's oh, true. God. Oh, my Jason gosh. Yeah. Everything. Holy cow. Oh, gosh. Um, oh, Chucky. He going to be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I went with Austin Hooper as well i mean it just Man, it's just too obvious these are, this is what we are we are meant to be meant to be Special. tight end people with tight ends <laughs> <laughs> it's just too obvious i mean he comes from an offense that had the you know the first, most passing plays a game to an offense who will probably have one of the most running uh plays a game this coming year with kevin Stefanski, who you know was with the minnesota vikings last year who 
ran with Dalvin Cook all day and Alexander Madison, and now you have even better running backs who are healthy and not injury-prone, and you're going to let it limit Baker Mayfield from throwing too much and let him throw more accurate, easier throws? Absolutely. And Hooper, I think they brought him in as to be a blocker, even though he's a great pass catcher. He's also a great blocker, guys. And something that David Njoku was not really great at. So I think that's why I just don't... I see him be on the field a lot, but he may not get the tie in the targets you're asking for this coming season. So he's a drop down for me. Agreed. But that is the end of our episode, guys. Uh, we do appreciate you guys for listening. Uh, this was a lot of fun. Uh, as always, please go check out our website at www.thefantasycoaches.com. I uh, got all of our great articles, you know, episodes, live streams. The draft guide will be out there hopefully soon. Uh, the rankings are up there. Uh, a lot of great things going on over at the website, guys. And you can follow us over on Twitter at Coaches Fantasy. You can follow me at Coach Stephen P. You can follow me at Hot Take Honcho on Twitter. You can follow me at Stepmom Lauren everywhere. And I have a website, stepmomlauren.com. Don't Google it in front of your children or significant other. Ooh. It's not me, though, that comes up in searches. Yeah, I get told that all the time. They're like, I Googled Stepmom Lauren. You'll never believe what's up there. I'm like, let me take a wild guess. That's why I had to make a website and try to overtake the other Stepmom Lauren. Just be <laughs> safe. Just put it right there in the URL. I don't have any fun stuff like they do, like draft guides and, and such i just have links great articles to some popular popular <laughs> podcast guys follow her follow her stuff she's great but again lauren thanks for coming on we do appreciate it so i love coming on you guys thank you for putting up with me for over an hour i really appreciate it i'm sure your fans are like never again never again let that girl uh, no i'll have to get you back on during the season coaches listeners for putting up with me i appreciate it <laughs> But uh, we do appreciate you guys for listening. We'll be back next week to do a nice live mock draft. So looking forward to that. Uh, until then, guys, take care and have a great one. The back is not far-fetched. We got a couple of clock hands. I've been feeling super duper. How the heck they know the future? Come with me, don't be a loser. Grass is green like Cooper Scoopers. Clueless analysts don't do the half of this. In fact, I'm backing this by asking if y'all remember that tough act interacting. Shh, like boom, running like zoom. The highest and mightiest entered the room. High up the knowledge, I'm feeling the fumes. All players covered this nuts as legumes. Opponents are doomed, and these are the facts. I keep it 100 like I'm running track. Listen up, Jack. I'ma head back. Back to the blowing that, blowing that, blowing that. Go.